Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm doing really well, JB. Um, disclaimer, I've got a bit of a hoarse throat because I've been screaming. So six times now I've been screaming. That bad joke will come back Ooh. to haunt us later on. But no, I've had a bit of a cold this weekend, JB, so I'm getting back to full fitness. So if I do start to waver, please do bear with me. But no, I'm excited to talk about tonight's film. I'm always excited to talk to you, my friend. It's been a it's been a so-so week over here. Nothing really exciting has been happening, John, over here in the UK. It's been pretty mundane. It's been cold and wet. but uh, So I haven't really got much to add to that other than I'm doing well. But how about you? You're doing well? You're keeping Florida safe? Yep, over here on spring break. Uh it's a little yeah. cool for spring um here in, in Florida, but not not too cold. I did have to wear like some long sleeves today. Um but you know, uh, Matt alluded to we are here to talk about Scream Six, the latest entry into the uh the horror franchise. Um it's interesting because I've always thought of it as a franchise, but this movie specifically calls out the fact that it is now <laughs> a franchise. Yes, it does. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen it yet, no worries. This is our spoiler-free review. We actually will drop a spoiler episode on Monday. Uh, be on the lookout for that um, if you want to mm-hmm. hear all of our thoughts on the film. But uh, there are some questions I have about talking about Scream. Like, if you are familiar with the franchise, yep. you know that it's going to open with a kill sequence. That is how every single film has always opened. Yes. Is that fair game to discuss or should that also be considered spoiler territory? Like how much are you allowed to talk about? It's, it's a funny one because, you know, spoilers for a franchise that's been around since 1995, six. Yeah. There is an opening kill in every single one. It is iconic. And I hate that word, but it's iconic. Um, You know, I think, I think we don't have to get into necessarily to the ins and outs and any reveals of in the reveals, but I don't think there's, yeah. I think the trailers give enough away when it comes to what that part is. Right. I, well, I don't feel like I, I don't remember to be fair at this point, if I saw any of the opening sequence in the trailers, um, or at least not maybe the, uh, some of the actors in the opening sequence, yeah, but, but I could did. be wrong. Oh, okay. So maybe I just didn't pay enough attention <laughs> to the trailers. Um, You're a good man like that. I, all I remember from the trailers was the, uh, the subway stuff. Um, but good show, which is also a little misleading to be honest, but, um, <laughs> I liked how misleading that was. So all I'll say before oh. the spoiler episode is I loved how for what I'll give a trailer. It's true. I really like how they used the footage of that sequence in the trailer compared to how it is in the film. Hmm. Well, I think it's clear Matt and I want to get into this. Uh, the Scream franchise, I think, to both of us is is one that we like a lot. Um, yeah. We we covered Scream 5 last year, almost exactly a year ago, just a little mm-hmm. over. Um, so if you haven't heard our thoughts on Scream 5, go back and give that a listen. Uh, I don't remember for sure if we had a spoiler episode for that or not, but we definitely talk about the film spoiler-free. Um, but uh, a year later, here we are talking about Scream 6, uh, directed by the same two guys, Matt Bentinelli Olpin and Tyler uh, Gillette, I assume it's not Gillette, um, written by James Vanderbilt, Guy Busick, and Kevin Williamson, which I don't know if he actually wrote or if he's just getting a credit because of the other stuff. Because um, um, Williamson's been on the film. He's right? Mr. Like, Scream. I, but, uh, yeah. I don't think, I think he's more, I think if anything, he's more of an advisor, I think. Right. Um, which is very common at this stage of a franchise. Uh, we have uh, some returning cast, and um, actually everyone we're going to list here is returning in some capacity, one of which I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess she's in the trailer. In the uh, trailer Melissa yeah. Barrera 
is back as Sam. She was introduced in Scream 5. Courtney Cox is back as Gail Weathers, definitely in the trailers. Uh, Jenna Ortega returning um, as uh, Tara. Um, Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy. Mason Gooding as Chad, both returning from Scream 5 as well. And then um, the one I'm hesitating on, because I can't remember for sure. You think that's good definitely to say? In the tra- yeah, definitely in the trailer. Okay. Uh, and Hayden Pantieri, who was in the fourth Scream, which is why I hesitated, because I'm like, wait, is it was it marketed that she was in this? I couldn't remember. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, shouldn't be a spoiler. In the uh, the synopsis from IMDb reads, in the next installment, the survivors of the Ghostface killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. Okay. Currently, 79% Rotten Tomato, which last I heard, I think, was the highest uh, of the Scream so- franchise. Yeah, yeah, I know it was the highest at a certain point. I'm going to double check that now. Um, 95% audience score, 67 meta score, 7.5 IMDb user score, 3.9 on Letterboxd. Currently only available in theaters. Obviously, it will uh, eventually be on streaming services. But right now, playing everywhere and also playing in 3D, which I saw today, (laughs) just a couple hours before. Um, I got to say, the end credits look kind of cool in 3D. Okay. Otherwise, kind of not noticeable. Uh, there is one set piece that requires a. It kind of pays homage to an old Hitchcock film, and the 3D didn't hurt that sequence at all. But otherwise, it was not noticeable that it was in 3D. I, I felt a little hoodwinked. I didn't know when I was going to the theater that it was only available at that time at, in 3D, and so I had to pay an additional cost to my unlimited subscription. Um, but oh, fine, I did it. Um, so. I've seen this now twice. Uh, I don't always get to do that before we record. Um, and today I'm on, since I was on spring break, my doctor, I had a checkup, uh, whoops, spoiler for bloody awesome later. Um, and that went by <laughs> real, real fast uh, today. Like I wasn't sure. Cause you know, sometimes you have an appointment at 11, but you don't actually see like the doctor or the nurse until like 1145. And then yes. that takes, so I was like really like on the fence. Was I going to get in and out? And I got to say new doctor's office. First time meeting the doctor today. Uh, I was in and out in like like twenty minutes. Like I, I was early. But they got me in on time. The doctor was in the in with me really fast. So I was super excited about that, and I was able to make the twelve twenty show of Scream. Not only that, I was able to get lunch before seeing the movie. It was that fast of an appointment. What did you have for lunch, so, John? Spoilers. What did you have for lunch? I ended up at a chain Tex Mex place, uh, and I got there. They had like a ten dollar lunch special, which was uh, I got a chicken enchilada soup. And uh, two shrimp tacos with chips and salsa. Um, I dig it. For 10 bucks, it was a pretty good deal. Considering if I had gone to like Taco Bell, I would have spent 10 bucks and had not as quality of food. Um, So, uh, but I went up to the theater and my local theater, they're doing this thing in March. Um, You get an extra 20,000 reward points if you buy... Uh, over the course of the whole month, if you buy a popcorn, which I've already done, mm-hmm. buy a candy, which I did last time I went, and nice. buy something of their frozen variety, which could be ice cream or a icy, which is what oh. I did today. Oh, I just have that. to buy uh, either nachos or pretzels the next time I go, and then I will have checked off all four boxes and get well, 20,000 20, points. Seems like a lot. Yeah. It, it's quite a bit. It's a, it's several free popcorns. Um, Sweet. So, or I'm like, or right. or salted. Right. Uh, but so. I I've I really love Scream, like the first movie. I've seen that so many times. It was a, a favorite of my cousins, and we used to watch it together when we were in high school. Um, it was like on constant loop. And then we get Scream Two. At the time, I liked it. Um, it, it. It's grown on me actually over time. Like, but I always I didn't rewatch that one. 
I hated Scream 3 the first time around. <laughs> I really, I've come back around on it a little bit. I find its meta qualities uh, have aged quite well. Courtney um, Cox's hair. Place- Come on, we all know that. And then uh, Scream 4, I was really late to. Like, I skipped it. I kind of had written it off. And there's such a huge gap between Scream I 3 and, and um, 4. It's like, what, 11 years, I think? Uh, yes, it is. And then we get uh, eight years between Scream 4. Or, I'm sorry. Is it another 11 it's years? 11 years um, between 4 and 5. A- yeah. Another 11 years between 4 and uh, 5. And now we're back to the one year, which was what Scream 1 and Scream 2 had. So it was interesting yeah, it was. to see this play out. Um, and of course we were apprehensive when scream five uh, came out cause we liked it and we were immediately were told we're getting a sequel. And I'm like, Oh no, what could they possibly have to say? Uh, That's you know, nice. each film has had a commentary on the art form. You know, scream one is obviously just throw it up to slasher film. Scream two is about sequels. Scream three was early on trilogies. And then it, again, why it has aged well, because trilogies became a trend right after that movie did that. Um, scream four is about the reboots, which were very popular in 2011. And then Scream 5 is the the newly dubbed, uh, they call it re-sequel, which is not what anyone has ever said in real life. It's <laughs> legacy sequel. Um, and uh, so what possibly could Scream 6 be about? And of course, it's IP-driven. It's franchise-based. That is what this film is. And I don't think that's a spoiler, uh, as that is a small, small little segment of the film. But it is essentially what they're they're discussing the here. for its existence. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, uh, and it's not nearly as pervasive as the other ones, I think. It's more of like it's thrown out because I think they felt they needed to have that because every film has it. I don't even think they adhere to it in this movie, to be honest. Like, I think they throw it out there for the people like us who are like, oh, what's it going to be about? And then they, (laughs) they don't commit to it in any way that the other films I really think do. Having seen this twice, um, I think it's a lot of fun. And it's what, just over two hours? Yes, yep. It's the longest Scream film. It still moves. Like, even today where I was, there was a part where I was like, okay, I really would like this to end. And then it was, it was done. I was like, oh, it it just moves. Like, it does not give you much room to breathe. Um, Honestly, if I was asked to trim something out, I don't know that there would be a lot for me to point to and go, well, this is unnecessary. This is unnecessary. Everything feels real fluid and and it moves uh, quite quickly, given that it's one of the longer ones. Um, I, I... I think Jenna Ortega has obviously become a megastar already. Right. And she gets a lot of stuff to do in this movie and she nails it every single time. Even when some of the other actors around her are less than, um, mm-hmm. she is just top tier. I want to watch her do whatever she's doing on screen. She's so compelling. She's able to bring in every level of motion. She brings some legitimacy to, to scenes in this film that should not have it. Like the, some of the scenes in this are real cheesy, like they lean into the camp more than I think the other screams have uh, in this one. And she still brings it where it's like her, her performances still feel genuine. And I'm just ultimately impressed. I like Melissa Barrera as well. It, it is. It, I think it's at her detriment that she's, she's supposed to be the lead and Jenna Ortega is next to her because I think Jenna is just that big of a star. Um, I don't think she, it, Melissa's doing anything wrong, mind you. I just think there's like a brighter light standing next to it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're both really good, but Jenna's just uh, scene stealing yeah. in everything. She's, she's a she's, superstar, John. She genuinely she, is a superstar in the making, right? Like we we the, the earlier or late last year, the, the talk of the movie star being dead. Jenna Ortega is set to prove that wrong. Like she might be the next big superstar, and 
ever, I mean, the clips I've seen from her Saturday Night Live hosting, she's just got it. <laughs> she's got um, a presence. And, and I, I know it's cool almost to kind of jump on the train when there's a an up and coming on the rise actress or actor, but or actor, they're all the same. Uh, but yeah, everything I've seen her in, or even if I haven't seen something like Wednesday, I've seen enough now to know that she owns mm-hmm. commands that role. Uh, has such a presence in it and in like you said the legitimacy she brings her role here in a role which could easily be and we've seen other actors like you said maybe in this film maybe in the other five who are who are good but maybe they're not quite as good or they're they're acting as if they are in a horror film whereas i think jenna ortega acts because she's just really good at it and she doesn't matter what she's in she she just brings her a game i generally think she's really good there's also been a recent, I believe last week we talked about uh, Seth Rogen's article and claim that critics shouldn't be harsh. Yes. And I was mostly on his side. I'm about to deviate from that for just a second. <laughs> so I love the movie Wayne's World 2. Yes. I love both Wayne's World, but I like I like 2. A lot of people dismiss 2. I like 2 as well. There's a scene in 2 where they're recreating The Graduate, right? And he <laughs> stops at a gas station. And the guest attendant supposed to tell him how to get to the church where the wedding is happening. And partway through his monologue that he's fumbling and bumbling through, Wayne interrupts, breaks the fourth wall and goes, I know this is a small part, but can't we get a better actor? And out comes Charlton Heston to do the monologue, right? And gives this powerful monologue. That yeah. At the time when I was a kid watching it, I had no idea who, the, who Charlton yes, Heston was. I didn't, you know, hamming it up, yeah. It wasn't until much later in my life that I'm like, wait a minute, is that? Is that Charlton Heston? And like it, <laughs> it really clicked. But so I'm watching Scream the first time, and we meet uh, the shirtless guy from across the hall who is dating Sam. Yes, by uh, and I, I am going to be again a little harsh. Josh Segaro. Yeah. And when he first gets to speak, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm and then you, as man. the movie progresses and he gets more and more dialogue, I'm like, I know this is a small part, but couldn't we have got a better actor? Because I he just. He's he's pretty bad. Like it's it's noticeably bad, and he's up against Melissa Barrera in all of those scenes, and she's not bad. So she's you're just like noticeably better. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I would say she's better in this movie than she was in Five. And yes, I have a caveat to that, but I agree. Um. And and this this guy is a glaring problem. Like. <laughs> Like he's, it's noticeable that he doesn't fit in like at all. Like, and again, he's up, there's a lot of actors in this. Some of them are not giving their best performances. Some of them have not aged particularly well as far as their, their acting ability. And a couple of them who I thought their charm got them through in five wore off a little bit in six, especially the second viewing where I started going, "Eh, maybe we could have got a couple of better people overall, but this guy, I am like, how? Because to be, he's not a, like, I'm not going to say he's not attractive, but he's not so attractive that he's irreplaceable. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not, no, mean, like, yeah. if, he looks like a, a guy that you might see, like, at a construction site or walking through a grocery store. He doesn't look like a superstar or uh, even, like, a model in the sense that you couldn't have found someone else who could also deliver the lines in a way that feels genuine or believable and not... Mm. Like a guy who's not sure where he is because every line read feels like he's asking a question like, is this something <laughs> should I be here? And it's like, dude, you're supposed to be like commanding this moment and you're not like it, especially um, given his apparent, you know, the context of which they try to present him at times. Yes. And how you're yes. made to think about him. Yeah. Um, so not to, to go too long on this, uh, the scream films are, have always been about 
movies. And so there's always Easter eggs. Uh, there's so many cool Easter eggs in this. And, uh, you know, me a few years ago may not have caught all of them. Um, you know, there's a scene where they're watching uh, the, the Body Snatchers is on in the background. There's a Friday the 13th on in the background. Um, there's tons of movie posters. Uh, I don't know if you caught, but there's a character eating Jiffy Pop, which is really important to the first Scream movie. Um, and pretty much archaic. I don't know anyone who does Jiffy Pop anymore. <laughs> I, they still exist. Like, I see them, but I just, I don't know anyone who ever, like, it's a, it's a lot of a hassle compared to other ways of getting popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, but there's a character eating it. It's got to be a reference to the first film, right? Like, it's not a coincidence. Um, yeah, not cool, sir. Uh, there's uh it's it's around halloween so there's tons of people in a variety of costumes of all different walks of horror so there's just a lot for film people to digest and and take in this movie's a lot of fun um i i initially gave it four stars it might tick down a little after the second viewing Mm -hmm. but i think overall it's still a really solid film and i've made the case i don't know that there is a more consistent horror franchise because you look at like the ones that have lasted for a long time, Halloween nightmare on Elm street, Friday the 13th hellraiser. Um, I mean, there's almost a Chucky or a child's play, whatever. Cause they, they, keep they keep to make that thing. And they often have one or two that are solid. And most of them you are watching solely for the schlocky goodness of what it is like of a nostalgia, a fandom of the, of the, the character, the killer, um, and somehow Scream has made even the gun, they're they're silly and they're campy, but they know they are. And I think if you accept that, they are way more fun than if you are expecting a serious like thriller horror film. Like there's like no, there's a there's a level of weird and humor in these movies. One element of that in five and six, I'm not, I'm still not on board with, um, which we'll talk about in spoilers. But uh, overall. I had a blast the first time. I I like this still a lot. The second time, I I had more nitpicks the second time around, um, which is only likely to happen, you know. Um, especially because you start, I think you start questioning, like, well, I know the Not I know how know, the yeah. plot plays out. Should it play out that way? Does it all really add up? But mm-hmm. um, most of that talk I'll say for spoilers. Uh, Matt, you've seen it just once, right? I have. I haven't been able to see it more than once, but. Um... I did see it on the, the first screening I could get. They did run a concurrent screening of five and six. Um, Ooh. sorry, one after the other, which I was going to go to, but I thought, you know, I just want to see, I just want to see the sixth, the sixth film. Um, so I waited till the next evening to, to, to go and watch. I couldn't make the multimedia. And I like you. I love the screen films, John. I love them. I think you're right. I think you're bang on the money. I think they are the most consistent in terms of the franchise is that, Hey, look, it might wobble and it might waver, but. I, I, you know, Scream Three. I don't think is a bad film. It's, it's probably the worst in the franchise. But I think it's a bad film. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a bad film in this uh, franchise. And to, to your point, Scream Two is actually the highest rated at eighty-two percent, and then Scream One, eighty percent, and then you've got Scream Six, Scream Five, and then it goes from there. Uh, is in terms of critically, um, but yeah, I love the Scream franchise, John. Like you, I, I was well. I bought. I was one of the first kind of mainstream horror films I saw at a sleepover as it's meant to be when I was too young to watch it. And it haunted me then. I think it holds up so much now. I thought Scream 5 was great. I love how they riffed on that, uh, on a legacy sequel or the requel or the reboots. I really thought that was fresh and how they played into the IP and legacy and franchise of this film. I liked it that, but with this film, I, I look, I loved it. I thought it was great. So I didn't love it. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. It's a fun film, but God damn, is it full of flaws? And I only needed 
one screening to see that. And I don't mean ones where it's like, well, how did Ghostface get from A to B so quickly? I mean, you know, this doesn't make sense, which I think a lot of that is spoilery. And I think it sets mm-hmm. a dangerous precedent, especially for the next film. Um, I think that, I mean, in terms of negatives, I'll get those out of the way now. I think the film had little to no stakes at all, even though it was very atmospheric, very tense. Some of the most tense sequences in all of the franchise are in this film. But ultimately, I think the stakes were obliterated in this, which I think is a huge, huge shame. Um, I think I wasn't, you know, we, we're all here for the whodunit aspect. And I think the whodunit was a bit limp in this. Yeah. And I think the reasonings behind the whodunit are limp. And also, again, in terms of logic, do not make any sense if you really look at it. And I don't mean from a nitpick, let's be an annoying kind of online, like a YouTube grifter. I mean, you just have to listen to what they're saying and you think oh, that does not hold up. Um, and I think some of the characters I like, you know, I like the core four as they call themselves. Uh, <laughs> I like, I think Melissa Barrera. Now I say she's better here. I think she's good in scream five. Yeah. But it's, I don't think it's unfair to say that she is overshadowed because we've got, look, we've got Nev Campbell back as Sydney. We've got Dewey, David Arquette. We've got Courtney Cox as back as Gail, man. We've got, um, we've got we've got that to contend with obviously the whole who's ghost face scenario scream is back after 11 years we've got the new characters then we've got the whole loomis of it all in terms of how they play that out i think melissa barrera got overshadowed somewhat by everything around her now she has more time to shine and i think she does really very well with this film she's given a lot more nuance and a lot more depth to her character I think she's more than equipped to to deal with it. And I think we're really mm-hmm. setting up a very interesting character arc for her. If if they stick it, really interesting with the directions that they kind of hint and wink that they're taking her, despite how this film ended. Um, yeah, Jenna Ortega, I've already said, I think generally thinks she's a superstar. She just has, she's so comfortable in front of the camera and believable that yep. I wanted to watch the scenes she was in. Um, Chad and Mindy, Look, Chad is cool, you know. Uh, Mason Good has some great scenes in this. Um, some would, some might say he should have died in the first film, given the events of it. He's not; he's back here, and I think he's got some great scenes. I like how he and Tara interact. I like him. I like Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy. I did not like the character of Mindy in this film. I think she's far too abrasive in this film, and far too they're playing up to the meekness, the Randy meekness of it all, and I don't think it fit in this film. We, I know what you meant. I know you mentioned that. Obviously, how you you quite like how they incorporated the the franchisiness of it all, and that it it fit for me. It, it felt a bit forced at times. Oh, like no. Some of the things she was saying. Oh, go I on. didn't say I liked it. I just pointed out that they did it. <laughs> Got you right. Oh, I, I I stand corrected. I would never want to put words in my king's mouth, but um, okay, I'm got, that's that's handy for the clarification. Then, um, I think each each scream film, like a whodunit, comes with. You get everyone together and you give the motive and you give the reason. No, there's, there was no need for it in this film, but we got it anyway. And goddamn, did it feel forced. It, to me, it was the worst part of the film. I did not need to hear that. And, you know, Ghostface says a line at the beginning of the film, which I won't, I can't say because we're family friendly, but, you know, it's basically, you know, he says something about movies. And I was like, yeah, wow. What? A, firstly, what a badass line to say. And secondly, that's a cool setup for maybe the subversion of this film, but they don't run with it. And that is, nope. that's, that's what makes me a little bit sad. Now, of course, I don't know if Scream 7 is going to be the last of the Radio Silence trilogy. I know they said they're doing a series and a franchise and all this kind of stuff, but maybe they're just setting things up to pay off in like a, in a massive 
Scream 7, I don't know. Scream 7 has to take risks. Now, I know people are saying this was very different, very subversive. You know, it's set in New York. But let's not forget Scream 3 was set in Hollywood, LA. You know, they move that as well. Um, and, and actually, it's Scream 2, they're in college. I don't know if the college is actually in Woodsboro exactly. or not. But still, it's still, you know, it's still the same, a similar vibe. Um, yeah. Yes, there are different. This this does feel different at times. I'll give her that. And I know I sound negative, positive shortly, but I do think Scream 7 has to, because we know it's coming. This was the biggest opening weekend of the franchise history. It's coming. They do have to now swing. I think they've got to do some, uh, you know, something big. Yeah. Spoiler episode I will mention very quickly with an asterisk what that can be for me. Not what I want and I need, but what I think they could do. Um, but positive, though, JB, it, acting very cool uh, for the majority up until the third act reveal. I was re- and I didn't hate the reveal by the way. I just, it just kind of thought, oh, that's a bit lame. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed everything. Everything above that, there are some excellent sequences. Most of them are in the trailer. Um, obviously, the one in the bodega, the convenience score. Yeah, score, really well done. We've seen the subway scene in the trailer. Really well done, and how they how actually that was played out in the film you know we've seen the scene in the trailer with gail when she's on the phone you see ghost faces there as well R- really well done the opening scene really well done uh there's a scene in the trailer of a ladder really well done you know there's so many good scenes in this film there's so much to love about this film Ghostface does not give a damn in this jb this is you know Ghostface is on a mission even though we have to say Ghostface without and keep a straight face no, Ghostface is great. I love the people. Like, look, we all come for the mayhem in a screen film. The mayhem is really, really good. I believe the core four, the main characters were were friends. There was a real bond there. I liked the new characters when they came in. Uh, Hayden Panettiere, you know, God bless you, she's back. I thought she was good. You know, her, you know, how, where her character ends up in terms of why she's brought back is, you know, a bit ropey. Um, but it's an awful lot to like about this, John. You mentioned the pacing. I think the pacing, excuse the pun, is killer. I think visually this film looks really good. Maybe they could have done more of their New York slash Montreal location, but I liked <laughs> what we got from that. I think the, I think our new cast of final girls are great. I think the soundtrack, some people have said the soundtrack wasn't good. I thought the soundtrack was pretty damn banging. You know, yeah, what? I didn't have a problem with the soundtrack and, and the film, the, this is a darker scream film. And I don't mean in terms of visual, I think the film in itself, there is that fun. Uh, and I totally agree with what we say about, you know, scream films do have that kind of campiness to it, but when they do horror, when they do suspense, they're so good yeah. at doing that as well. And I know that's what you were saying. And they do that here as well. Is it darker? Yes, but there is still fun. There is still yeah. that fun there. Bettinelli, Bettinelli Alpin and Tyler Gillett, Gillett, Radio Silence know they're scream fans through and through. They know what to do. There are things I wasn't keen on until like we'll mention in the spoiler review it hasn't dampened my my excitement for the film i really liked it i think it's a little bit too meta for its own good this time around you know stone me a, a scream film being meta yes great i think they go too far when they didn't need to but you know it's you come on there's a reason why these films are getting more and more money coming in because people are digging it they're getting it right they're getting it still feels like a scream film yeah we we know who did who came back and who wasn't coming back and i think the film is fine for who is in it and who isn't in it looking forward to seeing what happens in the next film but i dug it jb you know issues aside and there are i do have some i think this is a really really solid scream film it's another great installment in in this franchise horror is winning you know we're having big opening um big openings for these films now we've got more to come scream seven is definitely happening john it's you know it but they do need to change the formula. 
and they and they do they've got to shake something up otherwise if scream seven feels a bit like scream six which now in turn still feels a bit like scream five then what are we doing yeah. apart from rehab there's a reason why they're popular because they're doing the same thing essentially let's shake it up a bit because i think this is one of the only franchises i think that can do it and do it in a way that makes sense but nope jb I, I have i have nitpicks but i dug it i generally had fun with it I also have, uh, I share a lot of the criticisms that you just said. And also though, without getting into the specifics, I really enjoyed the opening of this movie though. I, yeah. I think it was one of my favorite openings. Like uh, obviously scream one has it because no one expected what happened in scream one, right? Like um, that whole, the way it played out, Drew Barrymore being a part of it, no one expected that. So like you, it, it's impossible to top that. I, I think like to me, um, Scream Four went for the reboot vibe a lot with theirs, if I remember it yeah, correctly. Yeah, which now yeah. I'm always hesitant to, if I'm remembering like one of the scary movie franchises because it feels like a scary <laughs> movie franchise. You know, you're right; it was a reboot kind of aspect. Uh, but um, like, and I thought Five was Five does subvert it a bit. Yes. Um, in that you know, I don't want to spoil Five, I guess, but it's not exactly the way it, is, it plays out in every other film, right? Like something major changes in Five. Six kind of goes back to the old formula. Um, and I thought the way it played out was really interesting, especially because of that word subversion. Again, there's a moment in the opening sequence where I thought they had really mixed up the formula only to find out that it wasn't exactly what we thought. And I think it, it pays off pretty well. So just to give a, a major credit, I thought when the film opened, I was like, okay, I'm in, let's do this. What's going on? You know? Yeah. And I still dug the opening. Oh well, yeah. You know, with the way they take it and to jump on that throughout the film, the kills in this are brutal. I know people have said they that, are. but you know, they don't hold back from showing you just what's going on. They, you know, they're, it's, they're you know, they're, it's brutal. Yeah, when we get to spoilers, we're going to talk very extensively about the rules of the franchise that um, yes. Mindy establishes and how this movie fails to uh, live <laughs> up to them. Um, maybe that's the subversion all along. Maybe, which I don't know. I don't know if it's subversion if you outright say one thing and then do something else in the movie. Like, I think subversion has to come organically. And I know you're not implying that it is. I, I'm yeah, just, no, of course. Why it's not um, and why maybe <laughs> yeah. there is that a little bitter taste afterwards. Like again, why it's really good. It's still like, you're like, yeah, but it, it, mm, you, you definitely hey, played hey it safer than you thought. Maybe, maybe we just didn't get it. Maybe, maybe we're just not <laughs> equipped. Um, anywho, uh, that's our review of scream six, uh, which by the way, it's worth noting. It's scream Roman numeral six, uh, Yes. Which I had not noticed, Matt, that it was Roman numeral six until I was sitting at the critic screening last week. And uh, they have like the slide in front of the, the thing. And I hadn't really paid attention to the poster. I, I knew that the there was red on the M. Had not paid attention to why. So I'm looking at the screen and I realized that it's Scream 6 in Roman numerals. And I'm like, oh, it's Roman numerals. I say out loud in a room full of critics. It makes, you know, there we go, Jay. But maybe you just didn't get it as well, see? Um, I, I'm kind but, of torn on it because when I write it down, it, it, it it doesn't vibe with the other screams, which is literally the number, but correct it is what it is. And scream the five naming convention screams. change, which you could argue is a convention of the horror genre too, right? Like <laughs> how now. many like variations on Nightmare on Elm Street? The title takes some deviations, especially when you get to Wes Craven's new Nightmare, and Nightmare on Elm mm. Street's nowhere in the title. You know, um, good show. We've had Halloween twenty eighteen. We've had Candyman twenty 
21 or whatever, we're going to have The Exorcist 2023. So Scream is Which, no different. That's for five, though. That's for five. The the change to Roman numerals after six movies, though, with that, well, four movies that are numbered, I guess three <laughs> movies since one doesn't have a number. True. Five doesn't have a number because of the Lego sequel element. Six goes, well, we're going to have Roman numerals. And you're like, well, what's the justification for that? Like, there's no, there isn't one. You just did that. Um, it, it, it looks cool on the poster, I guess, course, compared, yeah. but not really. It fits in um, with the M, so. Anyways, folks, that's our review of Scream 6. If you agree, disagree, feel free to hit us up. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the film. Remember to stay tuned for our spoiler episode that'll drop Monday. Uh, in the meantime, let's move on to Chopped Headlines. This might take a while because this is where we cover movie and pop culture news. And for movie nerds, there isn't a bigger news week than Oscar week. And so, Matt, lead us in. My friend, you know, it's it's the second only to the Bampies. You know that, we know that, but we thought we'd better discuss it anyway. Oscars, it's the Oscars, man. It's what, it's like it's like Christmas for film nerds, is what my buddy Eric said. And I totally agree with him because it is. I, I stayed up on Sunday night to watch it. It's I think it's messed up my body clock somewhat. I can't ha- I can't hang out till late at night anymore because I think I spent all yesterday in like this haze. But um, the Oscars have been and gone now. We're going to obviously talk about the the big winners and maybe what some people would consider snubs. To me, there's no snubs. There's just a winner and then four very good runners up. So um, JB, the big news, which let's not let's not beat around any old bushes here, JB. The big news. Is everything everywhere all at once took home seven out of eleven Oscars? John, it took home best of your big boys. It took home best supporting actor for Jamie Lee Curtis. Who saw that coming? It took home best actress. Took home best supporting actor for Kihi Khan. We all saw that coming. It took home best actress for Michelle Yeoh in kind of the the Titanic battle between herself and Kate Blanchett. It did also take home best editing, but. It took home Best Director for The Daniels. And John, I know you were very happy about this. Yes. Best Picture 2022 was everything everywhere all at once. Now, I know how much the film means to you. You saw it once, immediately went back and watched it so many times. It's unbelievable. I had to wait a few months for it to come out. I loved it. I've seen it since and loved it even more, of course. But you've been championing this film for the longest time. It's one of your top five films of all time, if I'm not mistaken. You get, you, you're watching this or you're, you know, you're getting it through vicariously through me or Twitter or whatever. And you find out that this is the best picture, ignoring whatever people think about awards and the validity, whatever, who cares? You find out it's won the Oscar, man. What are you thinking of all these Oscars? I mean, when it became a front runner, I was shocked because <laughs> when I walked out of the movie, the, the literally the first screening, which was, it was a mixed uh, critics and uh, public screening. And I walked out, knowing I just seen something important, but also feeling like there was a good chance that everyone else hated it. Yes. Um, it was on my wavelength. It reminded me of the manic energy that Scott Pilgrim also has. And uh, like, I knew that that movie doesn't work for everybody for a similar reason, right? Like it's just, there's so much going on. There's so much yeah, to take yeah. in. And I would argue this movie is substantially more intelligent than Scott Pilgrim with no disrespect meant to Scott Pilgrim, but this movie oh, is, agree with that juggling with so many concepts and so many i mean literally the title couldn't be more apropos right like it really does feel like (laughs) everything and so when i i started talking to people outside of the screening and found out that i wasn't alone that so many people loved it 
especially with the critics group that I hang out with, we often don't agree. So like for all of us to just be like, what did we just witness? This is something weird. I didn't know if that would carry from April to January to February to March for the Oscars and watching it slowly, like other people were vibing with this. People in the industry were talking about this. I was losing my mind because I'm like, I, I never would have thought this would even be in this conversation because it's so weird and it is, you know, it's existential and it's, there's martial arts. And, and again, you have an Asian led cast, something that has not been recognized in the level that it is now being recognized. Um, you have LBGTQ plus members in the cast and also in the plot. So there were so many things that could be easily used against it. Yeah, You have a um, cast of actors who are, Michelle Yeoh, she alluded to it, are, would be considered past it, you know, aged actors, now veteran yes. actors who are leading the way. And relatively new directors whose only other movie involved taking Harry Potter, making him a corpse, and having him fart. <laughs> In a good film. And I love Swiss Army Man, but it's definitely it's not more. a film I think everyone's going to vibe with, right? And so. Yeah, this is a bit more accessible, believe it or not. But even still, there are there's at least two scenes in this movie that could take out an audience quite easily. <laughs> um, yet somehow it it defied all the odds in every category. Basically, um, it, it I don't think it should have won for visual effects, but I think it should have been nominated for visual effects, and I think that's a, a, a travesty that it's not. Um, everything about this film is incredible. I do love it. There's a lot of now because this happens with every Oscar winner. All of the detractors are are stepping forward. Some are saying horrible, offensive, dumb, racist things um, or sexist things or whatever. And then some are just bitter because their movie lost. And I understand I would maybe be doing the same thing if this was reversed. Like if Tar had won, would I just now be crap talking Tar? If if Kate Blanchett had taken over Michelle Yeoh, would Mm -hmm. would I be talking crap about her? Probably not because I like Kate Blanchett a lot. I'm glad Michelle Yeoh won because as Michelle Yeoh apparently pointed out, Blanchett had one too. You know, she's been recognized. We <laughs> know she's great. She, and she's excellent in Tar. But Michelle yeah. Yeoh, like Stephanie Shu as well, who sadly didn't win, but we, you know, that category mm. didn't go un- unannounced for everything everywhere. She was, uh, Michelle Yeoh was asked to do so much. And that isn't to say Kate Blanchett was one note because she really isn't in Tar, but no. I just feel like Michelle Yeoh earned it more this year. And it's nothing to do with legacy or anything, or well, you've got two and you've got no. I think I just generally think her, her performance earned it more. I think there's so many, I could point to a hundred scenes in that movie, uh, which I don't, I, I know that's probably hyperbole, but maybe not. There's a lot of scenes in that movie, even if they're only yeah. on screen for like a half a second. Right. Um, there's so much in everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, again, the title being completely accurate. I think it deserves every award. I would have given it to Stephanie Hsu over Jamie Lee. No offense to Jamie Lee. I have always yeah. been a fan. Um, this does feel like more of a lifetime achievement Oscar. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it it is, it's one of those debated things. I think every year, like should an actor get an award for a lesser performance because of just because of their body of work. I mean, and I don't, I don't know that this is a lesser performance for Jamie Lee, but Stephanie, she was definitely asked to do a heck of a lot more standing in this. I mean, she, she was my pick for best supporting actress as well this year at the band. I thought she was outstanding. It's funny because, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee's great in this film, and her passion for the film, as well as the rest of yes. the Everything Everywhere family, has has been like nothing short Incredible. of beautiful to see, genuinely. And you know, I don't. You know, I, I'll say I don't like legacy awards. I don't like the idea that somebody has won because it's about time or 
you know, in like yeah. Leo's case, he needs, you know, come on, he keeps giving a ball, give him something. But then if it happens to somebody I like, I think, well, it's fine. <laughs> Hypocritical yeah. anything. I look at Jamie Lee and think, do you know what? I love you, Jamie Lee. I think you're great. You've gone from Halloween ends to an Oscar winner. So that's a hell of a journey to go from bottom to top so soon. Um, but just yeah. like her body of work, I, you know, Jamie Lee, she's done some great films. She's done some, she's a scream queen. So for me as a horror fan, you know, there's always going to be that representation. And it's Jamie Lee. So if Stephanie Sue wasn't going to win, you know, I'd have loved to have seen Jamie Lee win because it's Jamie Lee. And I do think her performance is very good. But then, of course, Angela Bassett was everybody's front runner or the favourite to win that award. And she didn't win. And I know that's caused some consternation as well, which there's always going to be. Uh, you know, Kerry Condon, I think, was fantastic and probably should have won as well. It's just a credit to that category, isn't it, JB, where we have a winner. But we're like, well, actually, I could have seen all four, all five of them winning and I wouldn't really have had an issue with it. We said that before, but it's it rings true now that Jamie Lee is the winner. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And uh, to be fair, most if you get nominated, you're usually worthy of the award, right? Like, I mean, there's I know there are some exceptions where people are like, how did so and so get nominated? But most of the time, if you're getting talked about with an Oscar, you deserve the opportunity to win. Yeah, yeah. At least I want to believe that because, you know, so yeah, any one of those people could have won. Um, I am glad Everything Everywhere has won. I've seen a lot of detractors saying like no no Oscar movies, uh, no Oscar Best Picture winners hold up over time. That's obviously a ridiculous sentiment. Yeah, I saw that and I'm about to, you know, you can, you, you can shove that one. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some that we we look back in hindsight, Crash being the one that immediately comes to mind of course. where we're like, why did that win? Um and then, you know, like both Moonlight or La La Land, if, if La La Land had one, yep. I think it's deserving. Moonlight was deserving also. And so, like, we had two that year for sure that I think will, yeah. you know, hold the test of time. And obviously, if you go back through the history of the ones that didn't win, there are many. And we we do another podcast called Movie Astrology where we really look at the year and the winners. And we have many times been like, how did that win Best Picture? Yeah. Um, or how was that nominated for best picture? I think love story was nominated or something. I just it won. I remember how much I didn't like love story. Um, I think it was love story. I hope that's what it's called. So, um, sorry means sorry. Lo- uh, love means never having to say you're sorry. Oh, that's what it is. Don't forget that's that. John. The movie. Yeah. I don't know how I could possibly forget that title, but, um, <laughs> I but mean, yeah, you look uh, at the top 10 best pictures here. I mean, I, everyone's going to have ones, but I think like for me, I had a hell did avatar get nominated, but it did fine. Yep. But anyway, I look at the best picture and think had ba- I wanted Banshees to win because I it blew me away. But I but at the same time I was torn. If you listen to the Bampies guys, because I really wanted everything everywhere to win. I, I but you I could have only chosen one. Had the Fablemans won, had Tar won, had All Quiet on the Western Front won. These are deserving winners. Elvis, it would have been a surprise, but a uh, Tar, a Triangle of Sadness was would have been the kind of outsider outside of like Top Gun, but. These are like women talking. It wasn't my favourite film of the year, but goddamn was it sharp. And it won obviously for best screenplay for best um, original screenplay for Sarah Polly. Um, so the, I think this is a really solid lineup today uh, th- this year. And I, last year's best picture lineup was, I thought it was okay. I don't think it was the strongest of that decade by any means. I think this one is mm-hmm. much stronger. I love the fact that we got Avatar in and Top Gun Maverick, two blockbusters in there to biggest films of the year were also nominated for best picture amongst other things as well. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned all quiet on the Western front JB. I said, I texted you off air saying to Jesus Christ before the Oscars saying, you know, 
I think this thing might win, might sweep up and win the whole, win all of it. And there was a point <laughs> where every every um, category it was in, all quite, it was winning, and it was accompanied by the bomb, bomb, bomb of the score, which won best score. It won all quite won for best cinematography. It won best international film. I don't think there's any surprise there. It won best production design, best original score, um, and then that was they were the ones that won. But there was a point where it, I, I remember texting John saying, "Jesus, you know this this might actually win best picture because it felt like the momentum was suddenly with all quiet." But so it seemed to dominate the the kind of the technical awards, and you know I, I I'm fine with that because the film is fantastically well made, and I think the film is a brilliant film. And for a Netflix perspective, it only shows that when they get it right, they can really be a force. So Apple TV won last year with Coda. Netflix did so well this year alongside A24 with sweeping up on the Oscars. It's only a matter mm-hmm. of time, I think, before Netflix does take a does take Oscar for Best Picture. And I'm sure some of the purists will say, well, Roma should have won before. No, it shouldn't. All Quiet on the Western Front would be, for me, is a much more deserving Best Picture winner for for netflix and something like roma was it didn't win but it still had a good um it still had, still had a good showing didn't it especially in those technical awards yeah i mean it did win uh best animated and um best what was the other it won something else oh uh international duh yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. all quiet won that um so i mean netflix two big awards still not the best picture but best animated is the animated equivalent of the best picture and yeah. best foreign film is still a best picture, right? Like it's it is getting there, isn't it? It's, it's inching yeah. there very quickly, which Netflix put, and I've said this many, many times, nothing behind all quiet on the Western front. They did mm-hmm. no critic promotion for that film. I got promotions for glass onion, which I think should have got some award nods. It got none. Um, I got, um, I, at least screenplay. screenplay. Um, uh, it put in for uh white noise, which got none. Um, and probably fair. I think, you know, Driver's always an eligible actor for me, yeah. except for 65. Um, but, uh, you know, um, White Noise is definitely not an Oscar movie, uh, despite no. it being a Bombach film. Um, and uh, then they pushed Pinocchio, which did win. But, and I'm not sure, like, Pinocchio is not my favorite animated film of the year. I, I thought it was really well done. The animation's fantastic. Like you can't get past that, oh, which I think is maybe is why it deserves to win. But otherwise, you know, I would have preferred Marcel winning, but of course I would have loved to have seen Puss in Boots or Turning Red as well, which because yep. they were, they were excellent examples of what animation can do. The stories they can tell a like newsflash. It's not for kids. It's solely animations for everyone. The sea beast, you know, they didn't get much of a pop from the crowd, but I still need you to know, watch that. It, yeah, I haven't seen it. It, it. it looks interesting enough, JB, but I, I didn't. I didn't watch that one. Um, we got that. I, I mentioned a twenty-four. The whale took home a few. Of course, it took home for uh, best hair and makeup. And then in one which I know has warmed the hearts of many, many people around the world, in another category which was like stupidly stacked. I, I get there was maybe three that people had at the, the front running, but if someone like Bill Nye had won, it would have been so well deserved because he's excellent. But Brendan Fraser won Best Actor, John. His first ever nomination, he won Best Actor for The Whale, beating out the perceived favourite, Austin Butler, and my favourite, Colin Farrell, and Paul Mescal and Bill Nighy. You know, it was lovely to see Brendan up there. You know, he you could see what this meant to him on stage. He was 
he was he was everywhere all at once and everything probably as well. But you know, he you could tell how much this meant. There's been a wave of support, again, no pun, for Brendan since this film was released. And we said before, you know, Brendan Fraser hasn't really gone anywhere. He had that spell where he took his self-imposed exile wrongly because he was forced to because of the sexual abuse allegations which he levied. He then felt like he had to he had to escape the spotlight for a bit. But he's been back. He's been acting fairly frequently on TV, especially or streaming for the last few years. But The Whale, for me, is the first time he's really ever kind of been in this kind of spotlight for his talent. And he's now a Oscar winning actor alongside his Encino Man colleague, Ki-Hee Kwan. But what did it mean to you? Because we know how much you love the mummy and grew up with Brendan Fraser films uh, and Encino Man, of course. You know, what, what did you feel when Brendan's name was read out? Well, um, I, I don't think I've said this aloud. Uh, I did not get to watch the Oscars because ABC, uh, despite being a broadcast channel here in the States, that means if you have an antenna, you can watch it for free, uh, did not stream it for Whoa. free. Um, you It would require you to have either a cable subscription, which I canceled a long time ago, or one of the quote-unquote cable cut versions of cable, like YouTube TV or Hulu TV, Sling TV, that are now almost as much money as just having cable. Uh, yeah, we knew it the whole point. point. Yeah, and so I don't have that. And while I could have done what probably many people did, which was get a free trial and cancel, I couldn't bring myself to do it uh, for this mm-hmm. particular event. And um, it does, that, John. it does make me question, like the why? Because everyone was like the Oscars; they really wanted to get back to what it was, and it's like, well, but why? Why do the Oscars need to exist? on a scale that it does. Um, and I, as a person who loves film, obviously there's a lot of problems with, with these types of things as it, it puts people against each other. It makes fans get more so vicious. now. Yeah. Like, yes. Right. And so I didn't see Brandon Frazier get called up. Um, but I, 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 I'm one of the few that don't, I didn't hate the whale, but I'm also kind of an Aronofsky fan like i wouldn't say like i don't even necessarily like all of his movies i just think his movies are wild and i think it's cool that they mm-hmm. exist because i'm with you why do they keep letting him make wild movies like this <laughs> um i'm with you i saw uh, the whale at lf uh, london film festival and i remember coming i said on this show as well that the film is good you know, the film's uh, the film's good it's a very decent decent film but brendan fraser and hong chow especially are great yes. But the film in itself is, I thought it was, you know, it was solid, 7 out of 10 maybe. Yeah, and a, a lot of people hate it. Um, I, I don't, I understand if you have, if you take like an issue with what's being said, because I don't know yeah, if yeah. everything is very clear. Um, so it's not, I don't have any disputes there. I just think it's a very well-performed film. Um, I've heard some people uh, dis Sadie Sink, which I thought she was really good in that movie. Um, yeah, not that a likable character. character did a good job. Yeah, like her character is awful but that's <laughs> yeah. the character yeah exactly um I, I thought her performance was really good but then again i'm a i'm a stranger things fan so maybe that is why i like it but um not to i don't want to stay on the oscars much longer to be honest but um I, i'm glad i i had no major disappointments or um if anything my disappointments are with how people have reacted to the wins you know yeah uh, it's a shame uh people are upset i i don't know that like I've seen, I've seen some people pointing out Angela Bassett was clearly upset when she didn't win, and I don't blame her for being upset. Like I, I don't know. I, the actors are people, and they want to win these awards, 
it's prestigious. It's it's you know getting being acknowledged for the work that you do. It's 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 nice because a lot of times you only hear the bad things, you know. So it's nice to be like, hey, you did great. Here's an award for what you've done, and. I, I think Jamie Lee deserves that just as much as Angela Bassett deserves it. And as much as Stephanie Hsu or um, I, I always Hong forget Chow. her name, Hong Chow, which she's so good in the whale. She's also really good in the menu, you know, yes, yes. two, two great performances. And she is one of those actor, actresses where she keeps getting put in movies that aren't great, but she is always great. She's like she's I, I incredible in downsizing. Fair, and so, you know, um, the Oscars, they continue, uh, most likely it'll be even more next year because the Oscars got a lot of buzz this year. Good There's rating. a lot of negative buzz, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, overall I had no major qualms. Um, yeah, no, look, it's, it's, it's an odd one. I totally agree. But for me, as long as people are getting upset because there's a passion behind you know, this is, you know, they, because they didn't win and, you know, there's the emotion of the moment. I just don't like people getting upset because when I feel like I should have, I was better than them or, or people saying this person should have won because I wanted them to win. Therefore, I'm going to get upset and then, you know, say this person didn't deserve it. You know, I know this, I know a lot of people say that Jamie Lee didn't deserve it compared, compared to others. And hey, look, she wasn't my pick, but I'm not upset that she won and Stephanie Shu didn't or Stephanie or Angela Bassett didn't. I'm just, you know, I'm just glad we had a good performer who did win. That's all. I, that's all I'm here for. And at the end of the day, we still have five excellent performances. We can go back and watch whenever we want, and you don't need to be defined by whether you've got the statue. It's easy for me to say because this isn't my profession. Do I want to be uh, employee of the month if that's what we had at my job? Mm-hmm. Of course. If I've done a good job, do I want to be rewarded with a bonus? Well, of course, because I feel like I deserve that. And it's how you handle it. So I'm all for passion, but when it's like online, when it spills into them versus us uh, or, or versus, I've got no time for that because it's not what it's all about. It shouldn't be about fostering these faux divisions, Blanchett versus Yo. Then of a day with two great performances, we're get, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still going to watch. I would still watch everything everywhere, even if it won no awards. I'd still watch yeah. it like you and I still would still dig it. However, I can honestly we- say it's been in my top five since pretty much the second screening. I wanted to see it twice. I committed it to the top five, but it clicked with me so hard. I love every second of it. Um, There is no, it doesn't matter that it won or not. It's a movie that for me registers. And that's what we say about art in general, right? It's not going to work for everybody, but if it works for you, that's all that matters. And this is one of those rare occasions because there's tons of movies that I champion that get no recognition and nobody wants to talk about, um, or like blind spotting, a movie I've championed. People oh, dog, seem yeah. to agree, but it got no, no, like it, not even to say it got no awards love. It was barely even known that it existed yeah, outside of the shame. festival circuit, which is a shame. Slaps. But um, yeah, this is one of those opportunities where I'm kind of I'm riding a wave that I didn't know I was going to be riding. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been. This is great. <laughs> Wait, what? We're they're winning awards? Like holy cow! Like and it's been so awesome. many of them as well. So yeah, no man. Look uh, to, to run it down. Uh, Navalny won best documentary and Irish goodbye best live action short. You've got um, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever won for best costume design. The Elephant Whisperer best documentary short. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, the Horse best animated. Uh, and uh, of course, Avatar. Of course, Avatar won for best visual effects. There was never going to be anything else. Um, Women talking best adapted screenplay. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, well deserved for best sound. Uh, it could have won best editing, but that went to everything everywhere. 
And we both agree that Natu Natu was the deserved winner of Best Original Song. So, yes, Burke and Hudson so were very excited. pleased with that. And uh, shout out to Big Tuna for really, uh, before I even saw RR, he was like, this song, this song is the best. Uh, and yeah. he's, I mean, he was right. Yes. Bang on. Yep. So Oscars, they're done for another yep. year, JB. Award season. We'll be back next year to talk about the Oscars again. And then that leads us to our next segment, which is media consumption. These are the movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, maybe future award winning of those things True. that we've been consuming since the last time we uh, checked out. And I know, Matt, the first movie that you're going to mention here, I've also seen. Clearly, we're going to be talking about this come Oscars 2024. Yeah, maybe. Um, the yeah to to that point, we have both mentioned it with a groan and a sigh, and with a sense of sadness almost because I'm yes. pretty sure I, I don't want to speak for John, but I, th- I think I can do hear that. We both wanted 65 to be a bit. We both wanted it to be fun, and it had the premise of Adam Driver in a sci-fi film with a big gun shooting dinosaurs on an unknown planet. Yes. What could go wrong? We've got the the writers of A Quiet Place directing this and writing it, and you've got an up and coming star in Ariana Greenblatt. What? How, where are the flaws? Well, the film is the flaw, John. The film is the film is ninety minutes long, and it's still boring. It's still long. It is uneventful. It's 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 a slog. Sorry, Seth Rogen. I hope you're not listening to this. I know it's not your film, but the film blows, man. It is so disappointing. Adam Driver. We said last week, we're like, oh, you know, he usually picks his films based on merit. And I'm pretty sure he was sold that this was going to be a, yeah, uh, like a, what's it called? The Wolf and the Cubs type thing, or whatever it's called. It's kind of story where he's got to lead his kid to safety in this unknown world and probably sold the more dramatic side of it. And there are dramatic moments in this, but they're few and far between. And maybe not where the filmmakers wanted them to resonate. I, don't, I think the central pairing of Driver and Greenblatt, whilst they give their all in what they're given to do i don't they don't work together for me at all uh the action is the action's awful um and i don't want to sound sound too negative but i'm gonna have to the the action's awful the uh it, it, it doesn't it doesn't lean into the sci-fi aspect enough it doesn't lean into horror aspect enough it doesn't lean into the action aspect enough and it doesn't lean into the drama aspect enough it's just so midding middlingly vanilla it is infuriating almost um yeah, I mean, Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs, and you managed to mess it up. It, it's it's below, you know. It's, it's to say, Magic Mike is the only film I've seen which is worse this year. It was actually above Ant Man. Then I came to my senses, like, no, I think I did enjoy Ant Man a little bit more than this. It's just so mind-numbingly dull, and that's the problem, JB. Um, and I, don't, I hate having to say that about an Adam Driver film, but on the bank, we'll only ever be honest. Even though I love Adam Driver, outside of Star Wars as well. The film's bad, man. It's just, it's just, this isn't a switch-off-your-brain film. It's just not a good film for me. It's a slog. Uh, I know you felt similarly, didn't you? Yeah, big time. Um, we don't usually go back and forth on consumption, uh, and this is essentially a micro-review of 65. <laughs> but yeah, um, the movie could have been called 65 Hats because it was <laughs> trying to do so many things that it did not need to do. Man versus dinosaur, folks. That's all you need for a compelling thriller and it's like this movie didn't trust that premise or maybe couldn't fulfill that premise in a way that was going to be uh, good enough. And so they like if you can't I'm all for like understanding budget and effects and like you're going to struggle with certain things. Yes. But if you can't fulfill your initial premise, then don't make that movie yeah. because you can't. 
and they couldn't and it's it's noticeably bad um and like you said it's boring it's it just there's nothing even i don't think adam driver is phoning it in or anything like no. i think he's giving a performance but it's just for no reason. And man, the, there's so many weird complications. Like every time something would be hard, just the thing, they add like five other reasons why it's hard. And you're just like, dude, just focus on getting one thing right. Instead of trying to like convolute a scene with just every possible, you know, struggle. Um, are, we, we reviewed uh, Alejandro Montoya Marin's film Millennium Bugs a few weeks ago. His first film, Monday, uh, is a comedy. It's an action comedy. And the opening character, everything bad happens to him. Like, he gets fired. He finds out his girlfriend's leaving him. He's losing his house. Like, that's done for comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of those things that there's no way you would pile this much stuff on somebody in real life is done for a joke. And this movie is doing it sincerely it's like oh no this is happening but also this and this and this and this and you're like dude what tone are we going for here because this seems what the hell is unlikely on? and <laughs> that th- this movie i think i don't know what it wants to be because there's parts where it feels like it is a comedy like not not like that it's outright funny but some of the lines that adam driver says i'm like wait a minute wait a minute is this supposed to be serious adam driver is adam driver's character miller he seems just angry at the kid half mm-hmm. the time because there is a reason in the film why and she spends most of the time either just not understanding him or saying a word back to him and then continuing just to not understand him yeah it's, it's they didn't if, they, if you're going to do that you've got to do it better because or at it, least have a payoff for it or have a payoff yeah because it, it's and, and they'll say they did i don't know about that it sorely, sorely hurts that dynamic yeah it's 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 such there's so many misfires in 65 there might be 65 misfires um Ooh, i hope there's not a 66 in terms of the next film but yeah um, oh man yeah no it, i think we're both happily say yeah. not a great film not, not one of the best films to see this year and i wouldn't recommend rushing out even though it's 90 minutes and adam driver with dinosaurs i wouldn't recommend it jb um I also saw this week uh, dungeons and dragons honor among thieves now i won't go into this too much because i'm sure we'll speak about it more uh, but I saw a, a Cineworld Unlimited screening. They had the multimedia screening for the press but two days later. I thought, nope, I'm not spending that money to go to London when I could be going to see it for free. So I did that. And uh, it was also a secret screening, so I don't know what it's going to be, but all the signs pointed to this. The, the, the distributor, Entertainment One, a lot of their films end up being the secret screening at Cineworld, mm. and it made sense. It, it just uh, debuted at South by Southwest as well. So all mm-hmm. sides pointed to that, and Honor Among Thieves was the film I saw. My review for that is out. Um, I hope that was your dog barking, John, and not you stuck on your toe, because that would have nope. been hilarious. I've just, for a minute, I, <laughs> I thought it was you going, ooh, I was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I never heard JB make that noise before, but um, that's how I felt, actually, it's during this film at some points, because... Again, I'll save everything, but my review's out, and I think people would have seen that. I thought the film was pretty good, actually. It's surprising, because I wasn't really that excited for a D&D film, because I knew nothing about it. Uh, but I think the film handles that well, and we'll speak about that at length at a later date. But uh, I, I enjoyed Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Certainly not perfect, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, I watched a film called Haunt for the Horror Zone, which, if you those who don't know... Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to be I, I already have done contributing to BurkeReviews.com, which is obviously John's HQ, John's hub, uh, regularly with horror recommendations. 
films which horror films which i like usually ones which may fly under the radar or they might be the sixth installment of a franchise for example which i like and i think you guys should watch as well and in the ter- in the case of haunt which is actually written and directed by the guys behind 65 uh which is um, i want to say scott beck i think it is scott beck and brian woods this is a film they did before 65 and it's a pretty tight horror film set in a kind of haunted halloween house uh it's kind of no thrills no surprises but it's pretty effective and it's there are worse ways to spend 90 minutes like watching 65 for example so i thought the haunt <laughs> was pretty good and i recommended it on the horror zone go to burkreviews.com and ch- uh, search for the horror zone and you'll find my review of it there and the last film I saw, John, was a film I was looking forward to from seeing the first trailer. It's a British film. It's a rom-com, which I think you'll dig. It's called Rye Lane. It's set in mm. Peckham, London, which is kind of a, was, was once a rundown area of London. It's now seen a lot of gentrification. Um, I know, John, I'm excited as well. It's seen a lot of gentrification <laughs> and it's, it's become more of an up and coming place. But this is a, I really liked Rye Lane, John. I really liked it. When I first saw the trailer, I thought, oh, is this kind of like a modern British urban take on like the before trilogy? Because it was just two characters, young characters just walking and talking and talking about love. And, and, I, was, and I was like, this, I, I dig it. Turns out that the film kind of is, but it isn't. It's very much a rom-com. It's very much a, it's very much a John-com as well. Like one that John would like <laughs> in terms of, you know where this is going, but god damn it man this is it's about again about 90 minutes long i was smiling my head off the whole way it's such an earnest film such a such a good nice film uh really really good film it's a the, the i can't remember the director's name so i already feel bad for that but it's called rye lane r-y-e lane uh and it's just a really sweet but really sharp rom-com very endearing as well uh, i don't know even when it's getting a u.s release or it doesn't seem like the kind of film which would be maybe playing at your lo- local multiplex jb given their track record but if it comes to vod i would very much recommend a film called rye lane it'll be in the show notes but i dug it i really did really enjoyed it again that was a um an a unlimited screening not a secret one it's just an advanced screening um and saying that there was a screening tonight of shazam 2 which i had the multimedia invite for and i would i, I, I that film could be great but i would genuinely i was like do you know what I'd, I'd much rather do the bamp than go to see shazam too i liked shazam i did i really thought the first one was surprisingly good fun but there's something about the trailers for, for shazam 2 fury of the gods which hasn't really hasn't grabbed me jp and i don't know if i'm you know projecting my kind of apathy for the last few superhero films which i've seen and haven't loved onto shazam but i'm not as excited for shazam 2 and it comes out in a few days time anyway so mm-hmm. you know 30 pounds to go to london or just watch this for free on friday I, yep. I, I picked that Same. one and also, you know, Bamp rules, my friend. So, um, yeah, Rye Lane was really good. Dungeons and Dragons was surprisingly good in terms of my expectations. 65. Um, and The Last of Us uh, season finale, JB. Um, again, everyone, yeah. I, I've, I saw this nine weeks ago, but I've been so looking forward now to seeing see what the world thought of it without any spoilers. If, if you've played the game, what would people think in terms of how they adapted it? Would people agree with my kind of thought was that i think they i think they needed an episode before this to really flesh out the season just that bit more i think it went a bit fast from six seven eight and nine onwards but um i thought though what we got in episode nine 43 minutes of it was was so very good um it, it hit 
I don't think anything could ever hit me as hard as the game did when I first played it because that was devastating, like the gut punch. But the series did a very, very good job of conveying the severity of the situation and just what happened, you know, just what was at stake in those moments and what was, you know, what was sacrificed in those moments. I, I liked it an awful lot. I do think the, the I think it should have been 10 episodes and they could have, I think nine and 10 could have been elongated for the better of the story, not for my greed, but um, you saw it as well, JB. What did you think of the last of us and what else have you been checking out? I, I liked the last of us uh, finale. Um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe my memory of the game is this. It, it kind of does like hit the end hard. Like you're just like moving along, moving along, moving along. And then suddenly you're just like, it's all over. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you do to extend it. Uh, I, I guess it's maybe more the just... last episode. I think the last episode in the, I know and I shouldn't do this, but in the game, that's a big section. And I think it just felt it. it they, they crammed an awful lot into episode eight, which is not a bad thing. Cause episode eight was sensational. I just mm-hmm. think that they could have had, they, they could have maybe had another one in between where we either deal with the out- aftermath of that, have another, have another episode with Joel and Ellie, and then they get to their destination mm. At, at, in like the mid three quarter way point of what would be episode nine. And then we're left on the cliffhanger of episode nine when we realize, Oh damn, this is what this means. And then episode 10 is, they really go for it. But that is a nitpick, which I had to make because otherwise I would have said the season was fantastic, but um, that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't have any objections. I also, I wouldn't be a, opposed to more because I, I really love, both Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal. So uh, I would have, you know, gladly stayed with them a little longer. I am looking forward to season two and three and maybe four. Yeah. I don't know for sure how much of everyone will have. Um, Definitely three. Uh, I listened to blank check. They, they did um, Danny Boyle's millions. Have you seen millions, Matt? No, I haven't. No. Um, I think I mentioned it last week. Uh, I couldn't remember <laughs> if, if you had brought it up cause I watched it the week before. Cause I thought that's what episode we were on. Um, and, uh, it's such a weird movie because it it really is shallow grave. They actually called that on the podcast too that it's <laughs> it's very much the shallow grave plot, um, but with kids and it's still kind of wild. But uh, it's it's worth checking out. It's on Disney Plus. Um, I watched a screener for a film that's dropping uh, on VOD here soon called "Are You Lonesome Tonight?" Um, my review for that one is going to be at Big Tuna site, uh, Disappointment Media, um, and. Uh, good, good, like thriller. It's a kind of nonlinear storytelling in a way that really, really works. I thought it was very compelling. More a look at uh, guilt than than the thriller aspect, but very, very good movie. Um, I rewatched Champions. Nothing to do with Elvis Presley, uh, except the song. The song is relevant to the movie. Um, I I didn't know it was Elvis Presley though. To be honest, it may not be. There is a song where the words "Are you lonesome tonight?" is saying. I don't think it was Elvis's version to be fair. Cause it de- definitely didn't sound like Elvis to me, but okay. I could be wrong. Um, my wife wanted to see champions, which I already had seen, but we went and re- uh, rewatched it. Still not a bad movie. I just think it, it misses so much of the genre that it's like, it's aggravating. Um, and then <laughs> caught a film. My wife wanted to see uh, at our local theater called Southern gospel. Okay it's one of those examples of, to me, Christian film that doesn't live up to the film part of that dynamic. Like do tell Christian messaging 
definitely, you know, positive vibes. If you're into that, if that's your, your perspective, I think there's a lot to be had there. But as far as like filmmaking goes, it feels like a TV movie. It feels cheesy. And the best example to me, again, two movies this week, I'm going to use the same analogy of too many hats is (laughs) you only need one reason for a car crash to happen, right? Okay. Drinking and driving. That is a reason someone might have a car accident. Falling asleep at the wheel. That is a reason a car accident might happen. And to be fair, you might fall asleep at the wheel because you're drunk. I'll give fine, fine. What doesn't happen is whiskey, specifically a knockoff looking Jack Daniels bottle of whiskey, is not flammable. That is a movie myth. Like if you spill a little whiskey and you try to light it on fire, it's liquid. It's not proof enough to burn. Well, whatever they were drinking must have been pure rocket fuel because his <laughs> cigarette falls out of his mouth and ignites him in a blaze so big that it also sets the passenger on fire. It is right. Of course, he's also drunk and asleep when this happens. So he, of course, crashes the car and uh, I, I, it was preposterous. Um, it was hard to ever get back in the movie for me with that. It didn't help that they were in 60s, like hippie gear that looked like they, they went through like a party closet to find the costuming for. It's like the fakest looking beard and hair. And you're just like, that's not the guy's hair. Sounds like you. Uh, and the scene only progresses more, Matt, because the guy, the, the main character doesn't get hurt or die in the car accident because he's in the backseat. And apparently you're okay in the backseat, oh, yeah, even without a seatbelt you on. You don't know that, 60s. John? Well, he wakes up uh, in the police station, not in a hospital, having just survived a car crash. Flaming um, inferno. And he's awoken by an officer who's slapping him around and inquiring about the drugs that were in the vehicle and also points out that we've cut your hair because we felt like you needed a haircut because, you know, hippies. And they also shaved his face quite nicely, no cuts, um, in the time that he's been unconscious. Uh, absolute, like, based on a true story, just for the record. So never have the phrase based on a true story felt more loosely adapted. Um <laughs> Then, then that particular. Damn. Then, when I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake yeah. in the early two thousands that was advertised as based on a true story. Yeah, come on. Um, so uh, the remake of an, a horror movie that was not based on a true story. This one is based on true story. You know, it's whatever. Um, yeah, and I, I finally beat. Let's move on from the bad movies that I happened to watch this week. Um, I beat uh, God of War Ragnarok um, this weekend. Nice. Uh, Excellent game. I'm very, very happy uh, that I, I got into them finally. I had played the old ones back in the day. I had not played the 2018 one until recently. Immediately dove into Ragnarok, and I'm not disappointed. So, Yeah, nice. I thought you'd like that. I was looking forward to seeing what you thought. I've only seen the gameplay on YouTube, but uh, my only question is, how many how many attempts did it take you to get past the big boss battles at the end? Uh, one. Nice. But that's because I've been playing it on the the mode that says like prefer story to gameplay. So (laughs) that's how I usually play my games to start with. I I go back sometimes and get a bit harder, but I just want to get through it sometimes. I also over over geared. Like I was like level eight when I went to the boss fight. It's like I had like pretty much all the I I did a lot of the side quests before I went after the boss. So (laughs) I was uh, equipped uh, and also playing on a lighter difficulty. So both of those things. and I'm a decent video game player. I don't like uh, repeating myself and I don't like, I don't feel I need to uh, 
challenge myself that much to enjoy a game. So I, I want to play it where I feel I don't want to be angry when I'm playing a video game. No, I hear that, my friends. There are some games like when Star Wars Jedi Survivor comes out, I'll play it on, you know, like kindergarten mode just so I can get through it, mainly because spoilers man i remember when the first fallen order came out within minutes you know people had already leaked the ending i was like i didn't i don't need to know who's at the end of that game so i want to play mm-hmm. it to you know get through the story because i find out what the story is and then you know what happens because i'm a simp for that but then i'll always go back and play it properly i say properly you know i'll do more exploration i'll i'll fight more maybe i'll put this the put the uh difficulty up from kindergarten to first grade maybe to to, to nursery school but I, I feel you, man. I don't want to. I don't want to be too stressed playing. I want to have a challenge and a yeah. good time, but I don't want to get to the point where I'm just getting you know, frustrated, furious at this game. Which I will say, though, even with the lower difficulty, and I don't have it on the easiest, but I have it on like the the second to the easiest. Um, I still found some of it challenging, and I was holding my breath at times during the boss fight because I was like, "Oh no, he keeps like <laughs> his energy keeps resetting." I'm like, "I don't know how many times I can survive this." Um, but then no I no one beats so, John Burke. Um, uh, the freaking berserker challenges in this game have beat me many a times uh those are the ones that i have i'm up to the last one and i don't know if i'm gonna put the effort in to actually finish that one or not but we'll see but folks aside from beating video games and watching movies and tv shows uh we have to make sure we are staying bloody awesome week after week so we can continue to bring you this level of content so i want to check in matt with you to see what you've been doing to stay bloody awesome um well i say check up but as I mentioned, I just haven't really felt very well this weekend. I've had a cold. I've had a blocked sinuses, congestion. You know, when you wake up and your head just feels fuzzy and you, you know, you, it, you can't taste anything, not COVID, but you can't taste anything. You just feel run down and tired. So my one, it, you, know, you know, I haven't been able to do anything. I haven't been able to get out much this weekend. I haven't been able to see my little one, which is always a negative, always will be biggest negative there is. But on the other side, if I'm going to find a positive, I've got time to just chill out my weekends are usually quite full on in terms of just driving about and doing a lot so in you know if i'm going to find a positive i actually got to sit down chill out i got a bit of extra sleep and then i watched the oscars and completely lost all that but i got a bit of extra sleep i got to read some books i read i didn't put that in move in in consumption actually but i think i'll carry on reading the southern reach trilogy uh, by jeff and the annihilation books i also read jedi battle scars which is the tie-in novel to the upcoming game set between Fallen Order and Survivor. It's fine. It's, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I was hoping for so much more. Um, but spoilers for the book club I'll be doing at the end of the month for that book, uh, for Sessions. But yeah, it's, it's kind of checking checking in more than checking up. But I, I don't like feeling ill. I don't like missing out on seeing my daughter on that. But if it means that I can come back ready and refreshed for next week, which uh, it got some few family birthdays next week as well, then, you know, it's a small price to pay. Plus, I got to read some books, play some games, watch some films at home as well. So it wasn't all that bad, JB. But um, yeah, it's more kind of like checking in. I could have gone mental and just gone out and done loads of things anyway. But sometimes you've sometimes you got to let the illness take you and just and just uh, chill and get some sleep, my friend. So nothing too wild this week because my own body wouldn't let me. But I hope you've been doing a bit more to stay bloody awesome this week, JB. Uh, well, I got a checkup. I kind of spoiled this at the beginning of the episode, but I went to the doctor this today just to get checked up. Um, I had to actually start a new doctor because my my doctors keep leaving. Um, a couple of years ago, my doctor's office closed. Uh, the man who I say saved my life because he got me my gallbladder surgery that my previous doctor had kept saying, we'll, we'll just keep putting it off. It'll be okay. 
I went into a new doctor and he's like, yeah, you need to have that removed like tomorrow. And so I say he saved my life. Um, I don't know how severe a gallbladder can get, but it was, it was bad. Uh, but his office closed. And then I found a new doctor two years ago and I got a message a few months ago that she was leaving to find a new doctor. And also my insurance changed. So I, they weren't even on my list anymore. So I've, today I went back to an old office before the guy who almost killed me. And um, <laughs> I hadn't been there for a while, but it's uh, I, I met the new person and um, you know, it went smooth. Uh, I'm, I, I have nothing wrong. I'm ultimately why I've been getting healthy for the last couple of years is I'm trying to make sure I live for a long time. I'm 40. I want to, I want to push, you know, I at least want to double this if not longer. And I want it to not just be, I don't want to be a burden on somebody when I'm 80. Like I want it. I want to be as functional as I can. And not while mm-hmm. we have, there's many things we can't control with that. Like if my brain goes away, there's no, Talk not a whole lot I can do there, but I want to try to stay as physically fit as I can. So um, I try to go to the doctor at least once a year, get a checkup, my blood work done. I want to make sure I'm not, uh, I was, when I started the weight loss, uh, back in 2019, I was pre-diabetic, which I've not been for a couple of years now, but I want to stay there. Cool. And so started the process. I actually still have to go get blood work done tomorrow or sometime this week. And I go back to follow up in a month, mm-hmm. but I, I started the ball rolling. Uh, I was on break. So it made sense to, to do that while it's easy. You know, I don't have to miss work to do that today because I'm already out. No, good job, my friend. There's, there's nothing wrong with getting a service on yourself. The blood work makes me shiver because I hate needles and I hate blood work. But if it's going to help in the long run, man, some things are more important yeah. than a little phobia. But no, good job, my friend. And I'm glad to hear everything's okay. Of course. You know what's weird? Since since Fight Club um, back in 99, I, I go to like my penguin you know my happy place uh when i get <laughs> blood work i like i close my eyes and i just i'm not there i'm unaware that there's a needle um and uh i i'm not trained to do that it's outside of watching that movie and going that's what i will do when i get blood work done. power of movies sir every single time i i just close my eyes and i am not there i am somewhere else <laughs> um until it's over and then i'm like oh that was it great um and then i look down and i'm like oh my god there's a big band-aid on my arm but and there's a vial of blood next to me and it's mine oh no, I, I, I try it. not to look at the vial of blood, to be honest, because it does freak me out. <laughs> like, that was in me. Whoa, put it back. Um, oh, it doesn't. No. My but, mind just starts playing horrible games. Like, oh, it's it's like a stabbing, and then I'm, then you're going to feel like the dragging of the blood being pulled out. And it isn't like that, but oh, God, no. I can't deal with it. So you're a braver man than I am. Folks, that's our episode for this week. Scream 6 yeah. has been reviewed. We will have a spoiler episode dropping on Monday. Yep. Uh, the Next week's new episode will be Shazam colon furry of the wait fury of the gods sorry uh (laughs) is it spelled right i don't know if it's spelled right it's it's, there is a typo there but i prefer this okay uh it's one r right okay so um fury of the gods (laughs) definitely fury uh, Fury. yeah fury of the gods is a different movie Uh, that'll be one of the parodies that i'll end up online somewhere uh you can follow us on social media um we're on instagram at bloody awesome movie pod and on twitter we are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Facebook, uh, you can find us by searching Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, we uh, Our reviews end up on the tomato meter, so Scream 6 is going to get a plus, so be be looking out for that. Um, you can follow us individually. I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and just search for What I Watch Tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. 
and stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, 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 blood, blood, bloody, awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,